hello everyone. Happy Black History Month. It's the Petite Polymath coming at you today with an episode written by someone I've actually met. This is Black Buck by Matteo Ascaripur. Hello, hello. Happy Tuesday, folks. February the 2nd. So, as I said, this is an episode about someone who is an author that I actually met. The joys of social media. So I met Matteo Ascaripur, let's see, what year is it? It's 2021 now, uh, in 2018, after maybe a year or so of, you know, here and there recommending books to each other through Twitter. And one thing I was struck by when meeting him was how enthusiastically he seems to approach life. And I think that his debut novel, Black Buck, um, definitely has that same feel to it. Uh, the protagonist, Darren, um, has, while he, you know, at least at the beginning, seems to not be the most ambitious sort, um, there is this undercurrent of enthusiasm um, and, and passion that is ignited in the book. And it's very familiar to me because the author possesses that same sort of energy. So, Black Buck, which uh, was on the New York Times bestsellers list, um, I think at number 15 a week or so ago, and uh, now Mateo is getting all sorts of buzz, which I'm super excited to see someone who I know has worked so hard um, get the, the sort of, um, of attention uh, that, that they are due. And uh, Mateo, if you listen to this, I am super excited to see what else you write um, and what other, um, what other things you share with the world. Uh, so uh, this book is incredibly, <laughs> once again, timely. Um, I would say if I had to compare it to another medium, um, it, if, you've, if you saw um, Sorry to Bother You, um, it's, it's similar in that vein of this kind of, you know, um, I guess it would still be considered a building's roman since there is, there is a coming of age, even though this person's already in their 20s. Like there is a growth um, narrative here of our main character, Darren, who is enjoying his life, you know, as a manager of a Starbucks. He has his girlfriend. He loves his mother. He has his community, uh, you know, in, in Brooklyn. And is totally just kind of doing his thing. Uh, Darren, however, has untapped potential. He was valedictorian of a very good magnet school, and then he didn't go to university, kind of to the shock and chagrin of his mother and probably other elders in his community. And so the question is, is who will he become and who does he want to be, right? And uh, on a, a chance or maybe serendipitous meeting, uh, everything kind of seems to shift. Uh, so some ideas that, that stand out to me uh, are, are the following. Uh, one is this idea of, of what it means to kind of carry the weight of everyone else's expectations on you. And do you do things because they're inside of you as a person? Or do you do things because everyone else kind of see this greatness in you and at some point you feel the need to try to deliver on that and not disappoint? The other is what happens when you do decide to take a leap, maybe not so much for yourself, but for the people who love you, and you find that the place you land maybe isn't what you thought it was going to be, 
do you stick it out uh, and lose some part of yourself or um, do you walk away? And Darren, who is ultimately known uh, as the novel continues as Buck, um, has some wrestling to do with who he is going to be. Uh, I think that something that's poignant here is this idea of um, what it means to be the only person in the room. And it's really funny how full circle this is. You know, it's set in Manhattan. Um, you know, Darren is, is from Brooklyn. And maybe about three or four years ago, I uh, went back to New York, which is where I moved from when I moved down here, and spoke at a storytelling event. Um, and the title of the evening was The Only One in the Room. And once again, <laughs> you kind of see this character as the only, he's the only black person at this startup company. And there, it, it really kind of skewers the startup culture, you know, whether it's in Silicon Valley or in New York or, you know, hey, I live in Austin, in Austin. But this world that is very kind of white male dominated largely uh, with a smattering of women here or there, maybe some East Asians, but not a lot of black folk. And what it's like to end up in a place where, um, where you, you kind of stand out like a sore thumb. Um, how much do you want to make waves? Uh, how much do you let things slide off of you? There are so many instances of microaggression and just flat out aggression uh, where like I'm sitting reading the book and I jump up like in my spirit <laughs> and I want Darren to tell someone off or, you know, let someone have it. And the, the kind of inner dialogue of himself in the novel is I'm doing this for my mother. I'm doing this for Soraya, his girlfriend. Like, I can't make a scene. I have to just, like, let this go because I need to think about, you know, the end game here. But as he lets these things slide, you see that he loses himself um, more and more and more throughout the book. Um, Mateo's super uh, sharp with, you know, kind of hat tips to this very... Um, uh, insensitive landscape. There's a, a part where at this company, he, someone, is what the company is called, uh, they have these rooms, uh, meeting rooms, and I think rooms for maybe like meditation or, you know, exercise, but they are named after um, holy writ of various religions. So like the Bhagavad Gita or um, the Book of the Dead, or the Quran, it's like horribly insensitive and like so full of cultural appropriation and totally something that I could see some like very, you know, uh, tone deaf, um, you know, startup guy doing. Like, I, I'm like, I'm sure this has happened somewhere and they probably thought that it was cool and it was just completely rude and insensitive. Um, this kind of culty behavior um, of, of kind of like getting people uh, hyped up to do work um, and then have them buy into this idea that, that this work is more important than everything else in their lives, including their families and like their well-being and their mental health, while they're also yet trying to sell a mental health like, like a product to, to the greater world. And so like how these people who are quote unquote trying to improve humanity are losing their own humanity in the jobs that they're doing. Um, is just fascinating stuff.
and you know, I'm not in the startup world. I'm in medicine, so it, it's it's a fun little window into uh, these these places of of almost like, um, what's the word? Like controlled hysteria um, would be the way I would describe it. Um, one other thing that struck me was that a, one of the guys in the novel, who's actually, um, I think, the CEO of the company, Rhett, uh, grew up in the South, um, I believe poor, white, um, but incredibly charming. And he has this, this um, complicated uh, backstory with faith. And so it's really weird because he'll quote scripture in the weirdest places where it makes absolutely no sense. And you always are kind of like, I don't understand where this is going. Like, this just seems like a nervous tick that he does. Um, and you can, you can tell that Darren doesn't really know what to do with him, but he can't help but be drawn into his orbit. And in large part, I think the reason why Darren doesn't leave is because of Rhett and the way in which he's almost like a proxy father. Um, because we learned earlier in the in the book that Darren's father died when he was a child, and so he's very close to his mother, a loving, wonderful woman. Um, but uh, he doesn't have that that father figure uh, in his life, and so you know, having um, a man who is affectionate and affirming and can see something in him and pull that, or at least uh, point him in that direction of this is what I know you can be, and I'm I'm expecting you to deliver. Is something that propels Darren, uh, which um, which I think is uh, is poignant, and I don't think it's spoiling to say that that is where the tension lies because there is this competition between Darren and the our antagonist, who is an absolute piece of work, Clyde, who is just the absolute worst. May I just say, as a random aside, that. If we were to come up with a way to um, uh, to cast people for a TV show, Ansel Elgort would be the perfect Clyde. Perfect one. Uh, but Clyde also looks to Rhett for guidance and as a mentor um, and as a mentor. And so our first bit of, of resentment and a wedge, um, placed is when Rhett brings in Darren and Clyde feels like he's getting, you know, kicked out of his number two place. Which reminds me, I mean, of a more hostile version of Othello, uh, because Iago at least pretended to be Othello's friend. I'd venture to say Clyde never hides his, uh, his antagonism. And because he's so well connected in the world, it seems that he never will suffer the consequences of the just really shady, diabolical behavior that he exhibits throughout the novel. Um, I think that for someone who wants to get a, a, a taste of what it's like to be in the shoes of someone who is navigating a space where they don't fit, this is a really, really great book to read. And I hope that it will open up to you um, the worlds of people who are in places that you just, you know, you see them every day, um, you know, in the corporate world or, um, you know, in an office or making phone calls and you don't realize the weight of all the things that they're carrying, uh, how they're trying to, you know, pay their bills and survive but also how they're navigating these, these places and spaces that did not have them in mind 
when they took those positions. And I think that uh, the, the lightness with which uh, Mateo is able to um, deliver some very heavy social commentary is just done really well. And I highly recommend Black Buck. You should totally grab it at your local bookstore. Have a good day. Well, I hope you all have a great start to the week and, uh, you know, happy February. I hope that everyone's staying well. And if you are looking for something to watch, uh, I recommend on Netflix, Friend Lebovitz Pretend It's a City. It's lovely, it's sharp, and it just continues in the theme of New York, that city that is hardy and scrappy and just will not die. Take care, everyone. Bye.